Hello, and welcome to KeeperCast, the Keeper of the Lost Cities podcast. I'm Ivy. And I'm Char. And this is the bonus episode for Flashback, which is episode 59. Um, And today, we are going to be talking about, like, different role reversals for the characters, and kind of like what-if scenarios. So, um, before we get started, apparently, (laughs) uh, Shannon Messenger has had a baby. We're really excited for her, and, like, this is very cool. So congratulations to our favorite author. (laughs) So our first one is, like, we were thinking we would talk about um, what if different characters found Sophie instead of Fitz. So do you want to start with, like, Bianca? Sure. So our first one is um, what if Bianca found Sophie instead of Fitz. And for a start, like, Bianca is not a telepath. She actually hasn't even manifested in the very first book so there's a question of like how would they realize that they were both elves okay i mean bionna could definitely show sophie in like the exact same way fitz did right because fitz blinked to show her that um he was an elf so bionna could oh wait she hasn't manifested well she can probably also blink so whatever (laughs) just do some sort of skill i think in terms of how would she know that sophie is um, a telepath, maybe just, like, Fitz could, like, or not even Fitz, like, she could just figure out that Sophie's, like, hearing all the, I don't know. Uh, no, no, like, I think that how Fitz figured that was was when, like, both he and Sophie got overwhelmed by the thoughts of a bunch of kindergartners in the next room, so I think that Bianca would probably see Sophie going, like, oh, well, that's really loud, and, like, he might recognize some of the signs of telepath overload from being around Fitz and Alden and maybe even telepaths in the nobility a lot. That's a good point from like her experience with her family. So it might still play out in a pretty similar way, but then like what happens next? Like in the first book, like Fitz has to chase Sophie down or something, or Sophie follows Fitz, or uh, this is what happens when they haven't read book one in a while. Uh, Sophie, yeah, Sophie tries to run away and uh, she almost dies, and then Fitz has to like. I think Sophie saves herself, but then Fitz, like, takes her away. I'm kind of hoping that Bianca, as the resident keeper of the brain cell of the squad, would, like, have more sense than to do whatever got Fitz and Sophie to, like, chase each other or something. And also, yeah, we get, like, two chapters into the first book before Sophie's almost dying cow is at one. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I agree. I, I definitely think that Bianca would have a much more gentle way of introducing Sophie because the two of them are like they're closer in age and they're just more relatable and Bianca's a little bit friendlier so I I think that they would probably have like a a kinder and like you know more lighthearted first interaction. And I also think that like Sophie would probably have been even more willing to go with Bianca than she would have with Fitz because like Fitz was like older and male and that stuff was but like Bianca's same age she's also a girl they like get along pretty well in canon and like that might have also impacted um their interactions in the first book like maybe they would have started out as friends instead of as rivals although that does bring up a good point which is that they didn't really like each other in the first book because you know Sophie thought Bianca was shallow and Bianca, I don't know why Bianca didn't like Sophie but she just like wasn't into her I think like Sophie was getting a lot of the attention and recognition that Bianca usually got, and like Fitz was spending all the time with her, Keith was spending all the time with her. But basically, Sophie was getting a lot of attention, and Bianca was like kind of jealous, I think. And 
I mean, to be fair, like, I'd be jealous, too, if suddenly every, if, if suddenly my brother and most of my friends were all spending time with this random girl I barely knew. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. We're kind of seeing the situation as if, like, Fiona from now would have gone and found Sophie, but if Fiona from that, like, she wouldn't be who she is now without that experience of becoming Sophie's friend and learning to empathize with her, so, like, I don't know. I mean, but, like, if she had been Sophie's friend... First, like, she would have been in on all, all the searches, right? And Alden, and talking about the Sophie search, and all the, and the attention that Fist was getting earlier in Candon. So I think it might have played out more, because a lot of what Beyond was feeling left out about was, like, Fitz and Alden and Sophie all doing secret stuff together. That's a good point. If she was already part of it, then those, those, those dynamics would probably have been different. Like, are we doing this if, like, we, she found Sophie only once, like this was her one mission, or if she was the one searching for her from the start, because that leads to another set of implications. Yeah, I think we're not going so deep. Okay, fair <laughs> I was just thinking more like, you know, surface level stuff. Okay, fair, fair. Yeah, I guess the next one I had was um, similar, uh, which is Olvar. So either he found her at the same time, like, not at the same time, but, like, when she was 12, or because he was the boy who disappeared, right? I'm not, like, making that up. Yeah, he was. Yeah, or if, like, Forgel hadn't, um, you know, chased him off, and he had found her when she was nine years old, like, what what would have happened? So, Alva would have found Sophie, like, even before her telepathy triggered, so she would have had this experience of, like, growing up as a normal human girl, and she probably would have been pretty reluctant to leave. I mean, even if he had found her, would she have gone with him because at that point she felt like an outcast because she was like a child prodigy and all that but she but but she still felt like relatively like she belonged at least with her family which we see a lot of her feeling like she doesn't belong even in book one but does she feel like she belongs with her family i feel like she doesn't because like 12 year old sophie doesn't but like five-year-old sophie probably did like before she could read minds I mean, it just in the description of her when she is five, in that memory, she, she talks about how her parents want her to go talk to this other girl, like, across the street, and she's like, they don't get me, like, I don't know, maybe, because I haven't, yeah, I haven't read it in a while, but, like, I feel like there definitely is some disconnect with her family, even, even when she's very young. There's also the whole thing with, uh, five-year-old is probably, like, less willing to go with some random stranger than a 12-year-old, like, now I'm just imagining five-year-old Sophie screaming, my parents told me not to talk to strangers, like, kicking Alvar in his gyms and running. I don't know, I feel like some five-year-olds would just, like, go, like... <laughs> True, but, like, is Sophie that five-year-old? We know so little about her when she was five anyway, aside from that, like, she was already feeling like an outcast, so... I guess we've got two scenarios here, like, the one where she does go with Alvar, but, like, I bet she would've been pretty upset about, about leaving her family, like, maybe even refused to leave the human world, and, like, then you've got, like, what if she didn't go with Elvar, but, like, Forkwell decided it was too close of a call, and he tried to take her to Elfland, like, even earlier, like, would that have worked, or? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, honestly, okay, here's how I see it. It's pretty easy to kidnap a five-year-old, um, because they're very small and have very few, like, natural defenses. I think that even if she didn't want to go, like, if Mr. Forkel hadn't, um, intervened, then Alvar still would have taken her. Getting kidnapped as a five-year-old would be, would be, like, a way more crazy and traumatic experience than, like, willingly going when she was 12. Uh-huh. 
And wait, at, at that time, was he working for the Never Seen already, or was he still working for his dad? He was still working for the Never Seen because Brant, like, stuck him in a room that was on fire when he realized that Oliver had failed. No, wait, no. That was when he realized Oliver had failed, so was he? Yeah, you're right. He was, like, Fitz's age then. Also, like, would they have had to, like, manipulate her memory, make her think she was a Vacker kid all along or something? Or, like, because if she was just five, she probably would have, like, had way more trauma about being, like, kidnapped and just a bunch of nasty stuff. So, like, would someone have tried to, re like, reset or re manipulate her memory because they thought that it would help? Okay, honestly, I feel like when we're very young, there are so many things that can go over our heads and, like, I just feel like this would be one of those things, especially because of the way Sophie acts when she's 12. I mean, she's very knowledgeable and experienced in some things, but she also is kind of oblivious in other ways and, and kind of lets herself get swept up by the moment. And I think that that is kind of indicative of like, you know, if this ha if if something, because the thing is, terrible things have happened to her when, you know, traumatic events have happened to her when she was younger, and I feel like she's the kind of person who'd kind of roll over that in a, that, that was kind of a weird phrasing, but, like, I hope, I hope you get what I mean. Yeah, this is just getting more and more meta. Anything else, or should we move on to Dex? So, if Dex found Sophie, like, there's a whole question of why he would be doing the Sophie search to begin with, but, like, why he would be doing- maybe, okay, maybe let's just pretend that, like, he was just, like, walking in the Forbidden Cities because he probably did a lot of illicit things as, you know, the kind of person who is a technopath, and <laughs> let's say somehow, accidentally, he's right at Sophie's house, or not at Sophie's house, at the History Museum, and he's like, oh, that's an elf. And then he's like, we better get you to the Lost Cities. His mom can hopefully watch this human movie, so, like, maybe she and Dex were, like, at a Target trying to find some good ones for, for movie night, and then, and then they, they met Sophie there or something? That would be amazing. Oh, my God. Yes, I love that. I think the main thing I was thinking with that was, like, uh, what would happen, like, if... If it was, like, Dex's family who brought her back to the Lost Cities, you know, it, it would be way less thought out, right? Because, like, the Vackers, you know, there was this whole fanfare, and they're like, okay, we're gonna take you to the council. I feel like, I feel like they would try to protect her a lot more, you know? Like, they'd try to make her feel normal and, like, not let the council and the emissaries have their way with her. And also, like, Sophie would probably get to know Dex and the triplets a lot more. Would she even have been friends with Fitz? Because, like, the only reason, or, uh, I mean, not the only reason, but, like, probably the main reason why she became friends with Fitz was because he was the first elf she met, and, like, he showed her around everywhere. And Dex hates Fitz at the beginning. I mean, which is a good segue into her next thing. But, like, <laughs> Dex hates Fitz at the beginning, so would, would she even have met him? Like, you know? Yeah, and, like, would Sophie actually have ended up hating the Vackers from the start? as well like that's a really interesting one like maybe it would have just been like sophie hanging out with like dex and jency and morella and just going to foxfire and then like you have gone to like dex with all the black swan stuff in book one and that would have been cool and honestly a sophie dex jency and morella like 
like um keeper squad would have been so awesome because all of them have very cool powers i gotta say like bonus points if dex finds sophie a little younger and say and somehow tam and lynn get in on the swap on the, the squad as well like earlier song twins i guess we can move on to the second one because this is like a pretty good segue sure so our Next one is, what if Sophie and Keith had hated each other from the day that they met, but Fitz and Dex were actually got along pretty well? The first way I see this happening is if, like, when Keith and Sophie meet, like, maybe instead of Keith, like, helping Sophie when she's hurt, that role goes to someone else, and then, like, when they first meet, it's, like, at the splotching match or something, where Sophie just sees Keith as being, like, cocky and annoying and just, like, sees most sees more of his bad qualities that- I guess, and he and she's like, "Ugh, why does Fitz hang out with him or something?" Yeah, yeah, definitely, I can see that happening. I feel like Keith doesn't actually play that big of a role in book one, but I mean, if we're thinking that this would extend to like book two, because the thing is, they don't do much together in book one, and so if they had an impression of each other at the beginning, it probably would have extended to book two. Keith is very important in book two, and he's the one who helps her, and he's the one who you know, takes her to the Black Swan and stuff. I don't know. I mean, it probably would have been someone else. She probably would have gone to, like, Dex or something with that problem. But, like, would would someone else have handled it differently? If I had even extended into book three, like, would Keith have gotten drawn in when they all go join the Black Swan at the end? Like, would they have ever even, even learned that Gisela was with the Never Seen if Keith wasn't part of the squad? Whoa. <laughs> Probably at some point, but like they're probably w- they probably wouldn't have like had so much focus on it. Or like would Keith's like quote legacy have appeared like later on in the series or something? Like or would that or would that just be like not be a plot component? I mean, I think in terms of the story structure and like how it was actually written, I think that I feel like it would have been less good because it would have been more shallow and more simple, but it would have been a setup for basically Moonlark versus Legacy, and, like, kind of, like, their rivalry is now turned into, like, this a rivalry between their parents and the people who raised them, like, Forkel versus Gisela, Sophie versus Keith. They would have become the big, the, the big hero and the big villain, I think. Oh, villain Keith is, like, that that would like that that would be like simpler that but that would also be cool and oh wait maybe in book three Keith gets mad that like all of his friends went off to the, to join the Black Swan without him and that's when he starts like leaning more towards fulfilling his legacy and everything because like didn't Gisela get like badly hurt by the never seen so maybe he'd like maybe he'd like figure like screw this that my friends just abandoned me the evil group is still evil but i think i can trust my mom because she's all i've got like if he had actually like played into his legacy role that is such a good point because honestly like like i'm thinking you know windows slumber party right like the the only reason that keith was keith remained so loyal to his friends was because of their friendship for him and how they supported him like he betrayed them but it was all for them like i feel like without that support um being so strong like yeah he probably would have just like joined his mom or something like that and and been against them much earlier and like not come back 
Okay, in terms of Fitz and Dex, like, being friends from the beginning, I mean, they did become friends, like, in book one. Yeah, so I'm not sure it would have impacted it that much. Maybe if Fitz and Dex were friends from the beginning and Fitz actually, like, saw firsthand more of the stuff, like, talentless and bad matches and twins go through, then maybe he would have, like, not, like, like, not gotten, like, maybe, like, gotten angrier at his father or at the council or at all the people we see him like trusting wholeheartedly in the books especially the earlier ones yeah i mean i i I definitely see that like just him being more empathetic and more understanding of like what the lost cities really is like because he super is in a bubble even even now like (laughs) later in the series even um he only knows his own life of like oh, you gotta keep the family name intact and stuff like that. And maybe he just wouldn't have been so concerned with stuff like that if he and Dex were already friends. So the next one we have is gonna physically hurt me to say, Orly dies in Luminaria. And first of all, she's like my favorite character. So if that had happened, I probably would have thrown the book at the wall and screamed. I will admit that like, I fully don't remember Lodestar. That is the one book where I'm like, just nothing that happened in it just registered at all book one is kind of like that for me i think the main thing here is like just a world without orly in it after lodestar and i think one of the really interesting things about that is sophie finding out about i mean because she's gonna find out at some point right sophie finding out that orly was her birth mom but orly's already dead like that would that would change her response i think Maybe Orly would have told her in, in, in Luminaria because she's figuring, like, hey, I'm dying anyway, and without my council... It's just, like, the main reason Orly's keeping the secret is so that she can stay on the council and use that to protect Sophie. So if Orly knew she was dying anyway, she might have told Sophie in the ruins of Luminaria because she figured that, hey, I'm gonna die anyway, and Sophie deserves to know. Ooh, yeah. That would have been so dramatic. <laughs> I think, like, there's, like, the more practical stuff of, like, who would have taken her council seat. Personally, I vote for Lady Cadence because she's cool. Yes, Lady Cadence. Pog. <laughs> Lady Cadence is the best one. Out of all the people, she is the best person. <laughs> um, gonna d- disagree with you here. Have you ever met Elwyn or Livy? I mean, okay, you haven't met them, but, like... Well, okay, but, like, Elwyn and Livy, that's the thing. Like, Elwyn and Livy have their issues. Like, I feel like Lady Cadence, I feel like she's just, like, very edgy, but, like, in, like, a, in, like, a she understands things about being empathetic towards people who are not, like, I don't know. I feel like she's, like, the one person who actually has empathy for other species in the Lost Cities, which is, like, maybe, okay, she definitely has her flaws, but... I will say that, like, in that regard, she is, like, the one person that I actually respect. Okay, fair enough. She's cool. Getting back from that, it's also interesting to think about, like, if Orly had told Sophie that she was her biological mom while she was dying, like, what that emotional impact would have been on Sophie. Like, both, like, the betrayal of you were my biological mom all along and you never told me, combined with the grief of you were my strongest supporter on the council and now you're dead. And, I mean, this is... You know, this is, like, the classic, like, (laughs) this is, you know, uh, like, Luke, I am your father, you know, like, (laughs) he was not dead. But, like, (laughs) I don't know, the kind of, like, dramatic reveal and then they die, I feel like that's a thing. 
And so, like, there would just be, like, a lot of, yeah, there would be a lot of emotions, like you said. I think that she would have put aside her anger. Well, Sophie is a pretty angry person. I feel like that, like, that also ramped up the drama in Nightfall with, like, Sophie's human parents gone missing. With, like, the contrast, like... <gasps> oh, because she's, like, I have, like, I can't lose more parents. Oh. Yes, like, the contrast between, like, Orly being her biological mom and Gradian and Edeline being her elven parents and then her human parents, how, like, she's got, like, three moms and two dads and then another dad out there somewhere, and suddenly it's, like, frick, one of them just died now, two of my other parents might. So, like, yeah, there'd be a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, and even, like, in Lodestar, I I guess I do remember things. In Lodestar, <laughs> I feel like in Lodestar there was this plot point where, like, they had to hide out at Dex's house because, um, like, the Ruin estate got attacked and, like, Grady and Adeline almost died. And, like, Sophie just keeps almost losing parents and then what if she actually did? That's also, like, two separate plot points, I think. So one time when they think it's going to be attacked and so they all go over to Dex's for a sleepover while the Ruins stay, but it turned out that it didn't happen. The Deverseen got widely instead. And then... Later on, um, Sophie and Orly and Mr. Forkel are visiting Geffen in the Luminaria Dungeons, and that's when the ogres end up attacking. I just wanted to bring it up that, like, every time a character has died in the series, or at least with Sophie when it happens, like, Kendrick's death, they teleport out of the tower together, Kala's death, Orly's there with the rest of the council when Kala decides to make her sacrifice. Brielle's death, they're in the dungeons together, talking to Geffen when Brielle presumably gets killed. And then Mr. Forkel's death in Luminaria. You're right. That's kind of weird, but also cool. I don't know why, but, like, it's happened every single time now, four, so... I'm, I mean, like, it could be a... Yeah, I would have four nickels. <laughs> that's 20 cents. That's That's so interesting, I never noticed that. Um, so I guess, like, the other part of this situation that we had was, what if Forkel really dies in Luminaria? Uh, there's only- either there's only one of him, or, like, both of them die. If, like, there was only one Forkel, I meant. Yeah, alright, if there was only one, and, um, and then after that, like, someone else took his place, we were thinking maybe Prentice, because that would have been so- I honestly think that that should have happened. Like, it it was it was totally leading up for that to happen, and the keepers needing more independence. And specifically, I feel like Prentice is someone who has not been their mentor this whole time, and who would treat them more like coworkers than like as children. And I think that's kind of something that would be useful for their growth and stuff like that. And like also, there'd be like the thing with like. Wiley, like, really getting his dad back, and, like, we see more of their father-son relationship, which would have been, yeah. I mean, like, that might not be especially important to the plot, but it would have been cool. Because most of their relationship in the book is, like, off-screen, because Prentice doesn't really have his memories back, and it would be, like, and better if, like, Prentice was actually, like, really back and got more of a, a role. And, and, and it would be interesting, like, the dynamic between Sophie and Wiley if, like, in this you know, in this whole thing, Wiley gains his father back, but Sophie loses her father figure, and so kind of trying to navigate that. 
book five is like just like book five like is when Wiley and Sophie like actually start having productive conversations and stuff so that they're like just starting to like trust each other and work together and then that dynamic just gets screwed by Forkle's death like would they revert to like being like like would Sophie get jealous of Wiley for like having his father figure back I mean probably not but like there would still be that to work through I don't think I don't think that she would get jealous because I mean she does have like Grady. <laughs> like I know that was just random. I think that uh, like and also like I think that she might have more parent figures than friends her age at this point because Yeah, she has so many parents, which I honestly love about her. It's like totally a subversion of like the hero has no parents. Like <laughs> she has all the parents. I mean like just counting biological elven and human that's six. And then if you move into all of her mentor figures and parent figures, you can probably get, like, 12 more. Yeah, exactly. And then there's all of her bodyguards. <laughs> I love the idea that her bodyguards are parent figures. Like, yeah, like, Sanders, like, her, like, Tarina's, like, that cool cousin who you see only once a year but love hanging out with. Tarina's the cool aunt, yeah. I feel like Sanders kind of, like, a nice older brother, you know? I, I was thinking more, like, uncle figure, but, like, yeah. Lori's that younger sibling where you're like, small bean must protect, and Bo's like that grumpy relative, how you're not really sure they're in your family, but like, hey, whatever, they're related, and what's Nabiti? The grandmother whose language you can't speak. Wait, what, what were we talking about again? We were talking about, uh, if, uh, Forkle died. I also think that for the... In the same vein, it would just rush forward the progression of the Black Swan and the Collective and the plot much quicker because the Collective would no longer... I mean, okay, it's pretty clear, I think, that they're grooming the children to become the new Collective. And I think that with Forkle gone, then the remaining Collective would have... Probably Granite would have taken over for a little bit, but they probably would have been like, okay, it's time to get these kids ready, you know? Like, it's, it's time to hand over the power. So they probably would have been taking on more responsibilities and like, you know, learning how to lead, learning more about the Lost Cities and how these things work. And and I just think that would have been interesting. Like we see some of that with Team Valiant in Book A, but that would kind of like jumpstart, like the kids gaining more like responsibility and also more of a stay in what they're doing. A lot of the time in canon, it's like Forkle is the one holding the collective back from actually doing stuff. Oh, that's a good point. He kind of is sometimes, I mean, I feel like he does this less later, but he he is like, I- I'll just take care of it, you know, like, you you kids. You kids. <laughs> have n- no, you have no ability to do anything. Although, I mean, he does put them in danger a lot. I, mm-hmm. I don't know, he's weird, because he always protests them doing things, but then he like... Is the one who wants them to do things? Is the one who wants them to do things. He's like, this is your whole purpose to put yourselves in danger. And then five minutes later, he's like, no, you must not put yourselves <laughs> in danger. The last thing that we had was like, um, just ability swaps. So like, if different people, I mean, exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> like the first one, I think like if Orly and Dante had swapped abilities and like if Orly was an inflictor and Bronte was an empath and I think that would be cool just because of how much their abilities match with their personalities currently in canon like Bronte's an inflictor who can only really inflict pain and he's like you know 
grumpy and he says what he's thinking a lot and in contrast yeah and like that like matches up with like his ability which is like pretty harsh and direct and stuff and in contrast like orly is like more friendly and she's like more friendly and kind like sophie often refers to her as like the nice counselor and i mean she's got her whole like actually part of the rebellion thing but like on the surface her ability which is like reading others emotions and being and like giving them support that reflects her surface personality pretty well yeah so what is um interesting about orly and bronte specifically is that empathy Empathy is an inward power and inflicting is an outward power, right? And so what you'd expect is like empaths are well more empathetic and they like connect to people better and they work around other people while at, whereas inflictors will just kind of brute force their way through everything, try to make others do what they want them to do. And um at first it seems like those are their personalities, but then as the series goes along and as Sophie you know, changes both these people, it's kind of revealed that they are the opposite. So, Orly, although she is the nice, like, she's nicer and she's much more loving, she is also a little more self-centered and she actually doesn't empathize with other people as much, you know? Um, whereas Bronte, he is, you know, yeah, he's grumpy and, like, he doesn't show affection for others, really. But but through his actions and his decisions, he shows that he cares and he shows that he understands. And so they are the opposites of their abilities already. Okay, true. Like, but, but, but like, would that have brought a darker side in them? Like, if, if Orly wasn't inflicted, like, would she have been doing more rebellious stuff from the start? Would she have been, like, less welcoming from the start? And Fronte was an empath, would he have been more open and friendly from the start? Or could they have, like, kept their canon personalities with, like, how maybe Orly is like scared of her of using her ability because she's seen the harm it can cause, whereas Bronte just thinks his is is useless. Oh, that actually would be interesting. I, I I mean, yeah, I think it could go either way. When you were saying like, would Orly have been more part of the rebellion? I I agree. I think that like, I think that having abilities that having abilities like that would have brought out like the other sides of their personalities you know like the more hidden sides i think orly would have been more i mean less likable you know she would have been kind of imperious kind of like um dame alina is like or like when she becomes counselor alina i think that orly would have been a little like that whereas bronte would have been more like how he is later i think I still got very annoyed by Damien when she becomes counselor, so I don't think Orly would have gone that far, but I could see how, like, it would have made her, like, harsher, I guess. I think, like, being an, an empath would have made Bronte nicer, or would it, or he would have just thought his power was useless, but, like, being, empathy being a softer side in Bronte would have been cool. Yeah. And, I mean, that's, it, it pretty much happened that way, you know? Sophie made him experience, like, the the joy and stuff and the joy <laughs> joy and stuff and that kind of was like empathy you know it was like here here are things that you may not be feeling right now but like this is all the beauty there is in the world and that kind of changed his perspective and i think maybe being an empath would have made him feel that way from the start yeah you're right Ultimately, like what if being an empath like brought out a darker side in orly's personality like 
Like you said about Bronte, like seeing the world as kind of from the start, what if Orly had seen it as harsher from the start and maybe even not become a counselor at all? What if she had just like, like being an inflator had made her see like the pain in the world and the damage it can do and the damage she could do with her ability and she had decided like, or has decided even earlier like, screw the council, I'm going to join the Black Swan instead. And just like having her like with the re rebellion from the start instead of the weird half and half thing she's not doing in the books. Oh, whoa, yeah, totally. I could see that. And also then we might get to see her in a fight scene, which would be cool. Oh my god, okay, this is probably never gonna happen, but a fight scene between Orly and Della? I counter you, fight scene with Orly and Della working together to take down, like, I don't know, Gisela and Vespera or something. That would be awesome, yes. Let's have that, let's do that. <laughs> or just all of Sophie's moms together, I think that would be awesome. Yes. Yes! And, okay, th yeah, there is a part in one of the books where they do that. Yeah, I mean, there's a part in book six where, like, Adeline and Della and Julian all go to protect Wiley from the never scene where he's, like, setting up this fake meeting with them, but, like, it's off-screen. Like, on-screen fight scene where we get all of Sophie's mom figures fighting the, the never scene, like... Yeah, totally. Oh, uh, please. Um, yeah, just one that I was kind of excited about was, like, uh, what if Fitz, like, was a technopath, and Dex was a telepath, and they kind of had the same, they kind of had, like, each other's journeys to, like, Dex, and, um, Dex manifested pretty young, and, like, was super powerful, and then Fitz, you know, kind of was, like, the shame of the family. <laughs> Dex was not the shame of the family, because he grew up in a family that was, like, totally accepting, but I bet that would have been terrible for Fitz, and I bet... I don't know. I, I wonder if that would have made Dex meaner. Also, would it have made, like, Fitz make the circlet instead of Dex, like, in book three? Because maybe, like, he's feeling, like, outcast by his family because his special ability isn't that useful. And he thinks, and, like, and then the council's like, hey, we've, we've got this project for you. And, like, he'd be already, like, feeling out of favor with his family and even his father. And he'd like, be like, yeah, sure, I can do this. And then only he later realizes that's going to be used on Sophie. Yeah, 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 I can totally see that. And, like, in contrast to that, like, actually, maybe being a telepath from the start with made Dex, I don't know, like, I feel like the Elven world was kind of done a personality swap with him, because, like, not, not personality swap, but, like, um, how they treat him would have done a total 180 once he manifested. So, like, at first, they would have been like, oh, you know, son of a bad match, not really, probably going to turn up talentless, and then he manifests as the youngest telepath ever. I feel like a lot of people would have started being, like, fake nice to him just because of his ability, and that might have made him take a more cynical turn. Totally, yeah, because, you know, Dex has a very, like, like, kind of for-himself um, perspective on the world a lot of the time, and I think that could have been just totally amplified. And I can also see, you know, so something between Fitz and Dex where Fitz is now, like, okay, you know, like, like, I am not good enough, like, I have to prove myself, and... Dex is like, I'm awesome. But then, um, like you were saying with the circlet, something like that maybe, where, and, and Dex kind of realizes like, no, you know, I do understand where you're coming from because I grew up with a bad match family and like my father is talentless and even though, and like I can't let this fake kindness that other people show towards me affect how, this is the plot of like every, oh no, this is the plot of Mean Girls. <laughs> Dex is, Dex is Katie. <laughs> I just reinvented the plot of Mean Girls, guys. <laughs>
I mean, I'm, I'm gonna be honest, my favorite song from Mean Girls is the one where they're at a math competition, because I'm a huge nerd, so... <laughs> I have- that is actually the one that I have heard. Someone played it for me during math club. Uh, let's do social media. So, um, you can find us at KeeperCast on Tumblr and the KeeperCast on Instagram, and you can find me at Aelin-Ashriver-Galathinius on Tumblr. Um, you can find me at the Dark Chocolate Lord on Archive of Our Own, and that's it. I don't really have other social media. Thank you for listening. This has been KeeperCast. See you next week.